The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Well, hey there. Welcome to Talk with Renee Dallow, the show that's all about real talk, real business, and real growth. I'm your host, Renee Dallow, multi-passionate entrepreneur, business and life coach, keynote speaker, and wedding planner. In this show, we dive headfirst into the conversations that matter most, from personal development to relationships, career success to wellness, and everything in between. This is a safe space to explore your messy middle and come out on the other side with a little more wisdom and hopefully a few more laughs. Every episode will bring you experts and thought leaders sharing their insights, experiences, and life lessons, empowering you to take that next step toward being your favorite version of yourself. Are you ready for it? Welcome to Talk with Renee Dallow. Hello, hello, friends. Welcome to another episode of Talk with Renee Dallow. It is me, your host, Renee Dallow. And this week, I'm joined by the lovely and fabulous Kara Haynes. Kara, how are you? Hello, I'm good. Thanks for having me. I'm so glad to be that you're here. We are, um, for those of you who are going to watch this on YouTube, what you should know that in real life, I can't, I, I can't actually see Kara. <laughs> Because technology, you guys, we're doing the best we can. We're doing the best we can. I also feel like I should say, because those of you who watch this on YouTube, I tried something different with my hair last night. I tried those heatless curls from TikTok and it didn't go well. Oh no. And and I can't undo it because because it won't I just I tried and I can't undo it. So if you're like, why does she look so weird? It's because I tried the heatless curls. Have you tried the heatless curls, Kara? I have not. And I have very thin hair. So I'm wondering if that's going to really work for me. I don't know. <laughs> Curls don't I have, stay. Well, I have the, yeah, I have the opposite problem in that my hair is actually naturally very curly. Mm. And I have a lot of hair, but it's thin. Anyway, you guys, Sunday nights are my everything shower. And I went for, I was just having a moment where I like was like, let's try something different. You know, I think the TikTok is an interesting thing because it like, it you get like so much exposure to like new and exciting like beauty things. But like maybe trying them all isn't, isn't my journey. I'm just going to put that on the show. I'm just going to say it. It might, it might be, but this one super crazy. Okay. This is not about my hair though. This whole show is not about my hair. Um, <laughs> Kara's like, what are we doing? We're here to talk about the client experience. Yes. Kara, tell the folks a little bit about you and your journey and how you got to, to this being um, a soapbox. Oh my goodness. <laughs> it's a long journey. So probably about 20 years ago, I, got myself an early childhood degree, which is so crazy because I'm not doing anything with that anymore. <laughs> but you know, yeah, well, that happens to a lot of people. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but in that that way, I did that for about 10 years. I taught preschool. So three year olds to four year olds. And in the summer times, um I did like after school programs too. So we did um elementary age kid activities, kind of like summer camp. So I did that for about 10 years, um, decided with my kids being about the same age as my preschoolers, I needed a me job. <laughs> oh, 
That's a lot of kids. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. Um, so, and I realized there wasn't a lot to monetize in that area where I was like, I can't sustain family income in this job for very long. So I decided to work a desk job. I've worked a couple different ones. But through that whole process, I picked up a camera, which has been my entire life's journey from point and shoots to picking up one where it had all the settings. So I started that about the time my son was born and he's now 16. (laughs) So that is about 16 years in the making of a business. Um, And so I was photographing a lot of families that I had in preschool. So that's kind of how my journey started. Through that, it was always a side gig until it came down to, I want to be creative and I am not made for corporate jobs. (laughs) So I um, quit my corporate job as I was gaining more and more clients. And um, so I was doing that for a really long time. And then at one point, um, I was working with kids in high school and middle school through a program called Never the Same. And we were putting on a large, large event. So I was the operations coordinator for that. Well, this large event was to take place July of 2020. And we all know what happened in 2020. (laughs) So I had taken a break from photography around then, still was doing it on the side, but not heavily. And then took this job because I felt like it was my calling. And 2020 happened. And so I was like, okay, now what? Like, this job isn't going to turn into anything. And I need work. So I was like, you know, I'm really loving the high schoolers. So went into photographing a lot of high school seniors. Eventually was trying to get back into the wedding scene about that time. Before then, I did a handful of weddings myself, but I was mostly like second photographing for other photographers. So what a time to come back in 2020 as a wedding photographer. (laughs) So what part of the world are you in, though? Were you able to have any events then? So Michigan is where I'm at. And everything was pretty much shut down for a couple months. And then everything was full mask, everything. There was a lot of debate on it. Um, We won't go into that. But (laughs) there was a lot of things where you could only have so many people at so many events. So it was a lot of backyard weddings at people's homes because they just wanted to get married and have it happen. So yeah. was doing a lot of those, which was kind of nice, like slowly getting back into the scene. Yeah. And then last year was probably the, where my weddings just took off. And then this year is probably like triple, if not quadruple what I had last year. So yeah, um, yeah. so I've gone into that along the way. I just felt like the education is so much different for photographers now. And so now I'm kind of getting my feet wet in that um, a little bit. And what I really thrive in is communication and communicating with clients. And you have your own podcast too. I do, yes. The Cameras and Coffee podcast, which you have been a guest on. (laughs) So yes. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. So education has, I think my, my opinion, uh, my education has completely changed from when I began 13 years oh, yeah, ago. For sure. And it also has, I think, completely changed since 2020. Oh, yeah. I actually think that it has changed and the way, the, the amount of education yep. available has completely changed. But also, I think as 
individuals, the way we consume education has also Mm -hmm. completely changed. And also like, I know I joked about TikTok at the beginning of our talk, but like, it is true that a lot of people, myself included, learn a lot of things from TikTok videos, which are like a minute long. Yeah. (laughs) So like, I think our desire for education has increased, but our I guess attention span for it yeah. has, has sort of diminished. I kind of think of TikTok as if you were listening to the radio, but you didn't want to listen to a full song. So you hit the scan button and you're just hearing snippets of each song. And then you're like, oh, I like that song and stop on that radio station. It really is. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel you 100%. You know, the client experience, I think, is also in that umbrella of things that have really changed as the years go on. And that's why I wanted you to come on and talk about this, like, client experience 2024, because I, I, I know that, listen, if you've been in this industry, in the wedding industry or events industry or in a service industry for a while, I think it's very sexy, right? And (laughs) it makes you feel very confident Mm -hmm. to be like, oh, I know all about client experience. I've got it on lock. And it's true that you, you might, it's true that you also might have gotten it on lock in like 2018 Mm -hmm. and it's 2024 now. And, and the requirements are different now. So tell me a little mm-hmm. bit about your take on client experience. I know being authentic is, is a big one for you. And I know that's a buzzword. So I want to know what authentic means to you. Oh, man. So yeah, when when talking about the, the authentic communication is um, it can start from like when it can honestly start as simple as your website. But when you start meeting with those potential clients, a lot of the time I find that industry professionals spend a lot of time talking about themselves. Yes. (laughs) And it's kind of nuts that they don't realize too, because they're thinking they want to hear all about me and all of my information. But really, I have found for me, the ones or even those in my industry along with me, who um, they book more of the people who spend more time asking the client about themselves. It's crazy because they don't want to sit there and listen to like why you're the best. No, also, <laughs> you know, they want to make a connection. Yeah, with they've you. already been to your website. They've been to your social. They've probably read all yeah. your reviews. Can I, Kara, can I tell you during the pandemic? So during 2020, we were completely shut down here in LA for a year mm-hmm. and a half. We didn't work at all. No small wedding, nothing. We were legally allowed to do nothing. Mm-hmm. But as we started to ramp back up, you know, LA was very, very cautious about everything. So a lot of my clients didn't want to meet with vendors in person. So we started doing yeah. Zoom consults, which we've always done, but not just with me, but with, yeah. with their vendors. So, and I normally don't ever go to the photographer meeting because I want my clients to make a connection with the photographer without me, Right. But mm. one time that my clients were so shy and they were like, can you please be there? This photographer spent the first 20 minutes making jokes, wow. talking about herself, talking about how she's literally it was like a monologue. Like these two, because they were shy, <laughs> they didn't interject, you know? Yeah. And I remember thinking if yeah. they hire you, I'm going to be shocked. Well, they did not hire yeah. her. But when I ask them why, I said, well, why did you hire photographer B and not A? And they go, we just really felt like we bonded with photographer B more. Photographer B mm. didn't mention herself at all. She asked about them, how they met, all the stuff where, you know, we tell, yep. we, we educate people to ask. But I, it was so interesting that they didn't put, they didn't say, oh, she, the first one talked about herself too much. They didn't, they didn't name it. They felt though, yeah. no connection. Mm-hmm. Isn't that wild? Yeah, it is wild. And honestly, like, it's it's one thing where I think a lot of people don't understand. And I've done bridal shows and I've walked past booths where I'm just like, 
all they're doing is talking about themselves. And what I found attracted a lot into my booth was, hey, tell me about your wedding. Like, when is it? And talk about their significant other if they're not there. Or, you know, just like having an actual conversation can be authentic, not just putting on the hat of, I'm an industry professional and I want to sell you something. It's like that car salesman mentality, like got to make the sale. But honestly, I feel like we're moving in a trajectory of relational and we really need to build a relationship with our clients. And that's what's going to make them connect with you more, especially in my my field. Like I'm spending more time with them on a wedding day than their future spouse, <laughs> especially yes. like if it's a bridegroom scenario. So like I would spend a lot of time with that bride, yes. depending on who I'm main shooting for. And then the, the same with my assistant. And so, yeah, you need to make sure you connect with them. And I will tell my couples that the moment we meet, like, if you don't feel that we are connecting, that is okay. I want for you to find someone you feel that you could connect with and spend all day with. Yeah. I tell my clients <laughs> so, that if they don't feel like they could have a coffee or a cocktail with their photographer, they shouldn't book them. Yep. I agree. I agree. Because there's so many out there who don't speak or they just are there and they, they want to call it documentary style a lot of the times, which I'm not like bashing on documentary style. But a lot of times it's like a crutch because they're like, I'm not very outgoing. Yes. <laughs> it's like, yes. okay, like you got to learn how to work with that. But yeah, yeah it's so true. So true. So yeah, that and then just being straight up honest and yeah. telling them what they need to know. A lot of times the first thing they want to know is pricing. If you don't have it on your website, that's the first thing they're going to want to know. And it's like, are you going to waste your whole time on the call after they've talked about themselves? Right. Or are you going to like make sure they know that up front? Yeah, especially for photography, um, right? Because it's, it's a whole different ballgame yeah. if we're in like the 5K range, the 10K range, the 15K range. Yeah. Like, they, they don't, you don't want them to fall in love with you and then get complete sticker shock. <laughs> yes, exactly. And it, I mean, a lot of times photographers can be more like build your package. Yes. I know for me specifically, I'm a straight up like these are the two options. And basically one is one thing and the other thing is upgrade with an album yeah, that's lovely <laughs> so that you don't have to do that later yeah. um but it's pretty much night and day and i i'm not one to hide it from my website because that's one thing where i want to be authentic too is just say i don't want to waste your time you don't want to waste my time here's what you need to know now let's just meet as a formality and make sure we get along and kind of go from there yeah. so that's kind of how i my thought process. No, <laughs> so I also think sure. it's interesting. You mentioned yeah. something about like documentary as like, a, you know, as like a style, but also like, honestly, sort of buzzword, mm -hmm. you know, one of the things that I've, I'm seeing a lot here in the LA market, I'm curious if it's out in Michigan too, is some photographers in their language, like in their sales copy or on their website, there's, they say that's documentary and non-directional as in like, they will not direct mm. you, which mm -hmm. I think they think it feels very organic and natural and just allowing the data unfold. The yeah. part of it that, that they don't hear that I hear is that most of my clients are scared shitless because they don't know what they're supposed to do. They don't know how to pose in front of a yeah. camera. They're not models and they want to be directed. So I think it's an, I've seen it only yes. in the last couple of months, right? I'm like, what is this new, who's teaching this? <laughs> Have you seen that? <laughs> For real. Yes. I don't know there. I've worked with when I helped a friend with video, there was a photographer like that and they were known for that. Yeah. 
But I was like, they're still posing them. So how is that non-directional? Like, I, I don't right. know. I was like, that doesn't make sense. Like, yeah. But I can see it more for video than I can for photography. Because it's like, you got to get those family formals if that's what your clients want. Yeah. You got to get those portraits. Like, are you just going to say, we're not doing portraits all day of the two of you? Like, yeah, you got to, I mean, you know, I think non directional in the we are not going to artificially manufacture moments works. But, yeah. but I also think that that particular phrasing might just turn off some couples who know yeah. that, like, I'm a little uncomfortable. You know what I saw that I thought was really lovely? It was in someone's Instagram post, and I can't remember. It was a local, it was local to LA photographer. It was a photographer who uh, is in a bigger body like me, you know, plus size gal. And they said, like, we know how to pose all body types, all body shapes. And I was like, that mm -hmm. is an interest. That's yep. interesting yep. sales. That would get me as a plus size gal to be like, oh, I want to meet with them. Because that was my biggest fear oh, yeah. at my wedding. And I wasn't, I was way, way, way thinner then a decade ago. But I still was like, I don't know. I don't know what's the best. What, what do I do with my arms? You know what I mean? Like, what am I supposed yep. to be doing? And exactly. Yeah. yeah, for sure. And I've had clients or potential clients come on to my websites too, or they're saying, I can see myself being photographed by you because you are displaying yeah. plus size, full figure clients, yeah, yeah. where a lot of times you find photographers spending a lot of time posting what they think is beautiful. And they're picking a lot of images of like styled shoots yeah. and like skinny minis and things like that. But I, I'm like, how are you it's, I mean, we could go down yeah. the, the trail of inclusive, <laughs> yes. but yes. like, how are you communicating that overall yeah. in your imagery too? Yeah. I know you, sure. you like nurturing the client is a big part of your client experience. What, is, mm -hmm. what does that mean for you? So it can mean a lot of things, but I do a lot of nurturing in a way of first could be educational. So like they've never been to a wedding. They've never planned a wedding before. What do they need to know? I have tons of resources. I have like a wedding lounge that has preferred vendors, um, has things to know about how to plan your wedding if your budget is small and you spent a lot in photography. Stuff on if you want to get these kinds of shots that you see in my photography, here's how you do that. So it's as simple as that, but also constantly sending and repeating your communication throughout the entire process because they could book you a year in advance and they're not going to remember what you discussed in the beginning of booking. So you got to keep reminding them along the way. Something I do is I offer timeline services. Now, if I have a wedding planner coordinator, that's not my primary objective, but I communicate with that planner and we talk about and line things up and communicate and I take that off their plate and talk directly with them or involve them as much as they want. But then after a wedding, let's say grandma wants to order prints, but she doesn't know how. I'm going to sit there on a call with her no matter what the price point is that she's spending and spend time helping her order the prints she needs yeah. because that's going to mean more to them than if you're like, here's my website, figure it out. You know, there's a lot that can go with the nurturing part. Um, but that's just a few examples. You know, there was an interesting line in your bio that I, I called out to you before we started recording that I'd love to talk about. There was an interesting line in your bio um, in talking about your background as an educator, mm. which equipped you with the art of gentle authority, which... Oh my gosh, have I loved a phrase today. Mm -hmm. So um, let's dive into it because I think this is a, an idea that so many beginning wedding pros miss. 
Tell me about gentle authority and what it means to you. Well, it's crazy because I think of I think of my education back in like the early childhood days (laughs) and teaching preschoolers where you do you use a gentle authority with them where you're like, you're not going to be shouting at kids all day like they're you're going to be the mean teacher. Right. So how can you persuade them, move them, get them to the next activity you need to do, but also having a personality. I'm not saying be fake, but also just like have the personality and kindness to move on and know when and where is the right time for you to step in. And so a lot of times on a wedding day for me, that looks like family formals saying, okay, I need all of the family to come over here. If you could sit here and then just if they're, if mom, let's say mom or grandma is trying to take over and say, can we do this photo? Can we do this photo? And I'm just like watching the couple's face and they're just like, are we done yet? (laughs) Those are moments where I just step in and I say, this is my gentle authority moment. And I actually talk with my clients ahead of time and say like, is this all you want in your list? Or are you okay if someone adds on? Because it could last forever. But and say, like, that's amazing. I would love to photograph you. Let's finish those up at the reception when there's downtime so that we can move to this because I don't want the timeline to drag on and they have to miss this opportunity. And there's kind ways to say that Mm -hmm. instead of saying, nope, that doesn't work. (laughs) You know, and I feel like there's so many professionals that know they have a job to do. And they get stressed and flustered in those moments that they just their worst person comes out. And you got to realize like, those are the moments where you are also marketing yourself. (laughs) And so if you're coming across that way, every guest at that wedding, I'm sure sees how you are. And they would say, I will never hire that photographer because of just that one. Right. And and how she made everyone. Right. And not only the guests, but the other vendors. Or everyone oh, yeah, everyone on sure. a wedding day. And I'll say like this idea of gentle authority. When I first started 10 years ago, when I started Moxie Bright, I had already been planning weddings for years before then. But when I started mm. under my under my new business, right? A lot of vendors that I worked with that first year were like, oh my God, it's so lovely working with you. You're so nice. Nice is not a word that I would ever sub- ascribe to myself, like ever. Um, I, <laughs> You're like, am I? I'm not really nice. I'm direct. <laughs> I'm honest, right? Yeah. I'm, but I think what I do have is this gentle authority. As a planner, I have mm-hmm. to have it from the minute we start ceremony rehearsal until I say goodbye to the last guest at the night of the wedding. Yes. Like I, There is not a moment where I can not have that gentle authority. There is not a moment where I can say, ah, eh, screw it, do whatever you want. That's never going to happen. But the thing that I see other newer planners doing is approaching their day with this sort of like, almost like bitchy, like walls up, like, no, we're not doing it. No. Is it on the timeline? And like, yeah, that's a good approach, yeah. right? That is an approach. It's the wrong approach, but it's an approach. And so I love that you gave mm-hmm. this, you gave this language to it. This gentle authority is so, oh God, it's just so beautiful because it's the thing we should all be doing in a professional way. I yeah. love that you said it's not fake. It isn't fake. It's being professional. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It, it's so true. And I do think that goes more beyond guests. I do agree with you on the vendor side of things because we all have a job to do and we all want to make, I hope, want to make this the best day for our couple. And if you're not there in that mentality of service, yeah. what are you doing in this field? Because yeah. <laughs> like, if you can't serve them and think this is my client, yeah. 
and this is what they would want and speak on their behalf and know that's what they'd want that yeah Yeah. that's a no good i mean listen i'll be honest and say the only times i ever really lose my cool on a wedding day is if a vendor is asking me repeatedly something that is on the timeline especially like, Mm -hmm. what are we eating i'm like it is on the timeline that i spent six months (laughs) making so please read it please read it yeah that's the only time and i'm i'm imagining someone who's worked with me is listening being like she's not always that nice i'm not but i am (laughs) i do carry myself with an air of authority that i hope is Mm -hmm. i hope is gentle or not even gentle but just warm right like yeah i'm i'm in charge clearly but i'm also a human Mm -hmm. (laughs) well and a huge part of that is I might say I'm going to show up to a wedding at a certain time, but I give myself a half hour buffer just to go and say hi to everybody yep. and introduce myself yep. because you're going to get more authority in those moments when you've befriended someone rather than saying, hey, I'm here and I'm in charge. Like nobody wants to listen to someone like that. Great, great. I also think <laughs> they want, yeah, as wedding, they want to, you got to earn that respect in the beginning. Oh, 100%. For sure. I also think like as wedding vendors, the, the best vendors that I work with have a pretty high um, emotional IQ. Right. They can pretty they can look mm. around the room or look at a, a certain person acting a certain way and be like, what's really going on there? You know, even with even with family <laughs> yes. members, like especially like if you're in your scenario, mm-hmm. like if grandma is really trying to over assert herself, like as a planner, I'm going to look at that and go, OK, grandma doesn't feel like her voice is being heard. What else can we do for her? Right. Like what? Yeah. Hey, mm-hmm. hey, grandma, like, hey, come with me. I want to show you the beautiful flowers that are in the reception. Do you want to see like something to make her feel yeah. like she has some sort of importance in that moment? Yep. Um, And I do realize that's a skill for some people and not for others. And I feel like that is a gift some people have. And it's also something you can work on. You know what I mean? Like you can develop a little bit more if if you feel like, oh, I wouldn't I wouldn't think to do that. Okay. well, there's a bunch of books and podcasts out there that I would link to in the show notes if you want to increase your emotional IQ. Because <laughs> I think it's a really important <laughs> soft that. skill that we don't really talk about, you know. Your last two points are under promise and over deliver and having a standard of excellence, yes. which I think those two go hand in hand. But how as a photographer mm-hmm. do you under promise and over deliver? Yeah. And I think a lot of people think when when you say that, it means like give a bunch for free right. that you didn't say you were gonna give. Well, we still have to make yeah. money. <laughs> so that's not an option. Yeah. But there can be a lot in that. The first and foremost is saying it's going to take me. And when I say this, this is not every photographer. So if you're a photographer listening, don't feel bad if it takes you longer. But I'll tell my clients, hey, you'll get your gallery from your wedding within one month of your wedding day. Wow. And then I spend time and I personally have a goal of two weeks. Wow where I say you're going to get they're going to get it. And then I'm beating myself up when I don't hit that two week mark. And then my colleagues that I chat with often have to remind me, but you tell them a month, why are you beating yourself up for it? So that's one way I like to over deliver where it's like they got it two weeks earlier than they were planning. Being dependable. I feel like that's huge. Knowing like you're going to show up and um, like I said, come a little earlier than expected and not say like, Hey, you only get nine hours. And now I understand people will package where they're like, this is how many hours of coverage I have. But if it's something I need to do, I'm going to show up early or stay a little longer just so I can make sure I get stuff covered. And especially, let's say a reception and like the formal dances are going a little bit longer. I'm not going to say, oh, my cutoff was there. Like we have to. Right. I'm out. (laughs) We have to leave. Like in the in this the, they're cutting the cake. They're in the middle and you're like out, you're walking. I'm like, oh, bye. Yeah. No, never. And I think there's a fine line there too. It can be a little bit, you know, it depends on what kind of client you have. Yeah. 
So if you had a client that's trying to nickel and dime you, you know, and trying to get like every minute as cheap as possible, (laughs) that's one thing, but I'm still not going to say like, I'm going to end it now. (laughs) That's when you communicate ahead of time and say, if we go over, what do you want to do? Right. And there are some like honest mistakes and timeline. And then there are some like bad planning, bad execution, Every, mm-hmm. If everything's a mess all day and there's, and you know, cake cutting is an hour later than it should be. I don't think there's a wedding planner in the world who would expect you to stay. So I guess it depends on the yeah. circumstances, you know? Yeah, for sure. But there are moments where I'm like, yeah, I, and, and I'm going to communicate obviously yeah. with whoever that point person is for the day and make sure they're okay with it. But yeah, so there's, there's w- ways you can over deliver with your time and, and things like that. And then there's ways you can over deliver by like, going out of your way of kindness, even remembering things. Let's say I had a client who had dogs and just even spending time and remembering their dog's names and doing something special, either like writing my blog posts and somehow incorporating the dogs in that, even if it wasn't a lot of couples, like their dogs are their children, you know? And so kind of incorporating in that and over delivering in a moment of kind of doing that. But then when it comes to like a standard of excellence, I am one where I, there's a fine line too, where it's like better or done is better than perfect, Mm -hmm. but is it something you would want to represent as your best work? And so you have to think of every single client that way. You can't just say, oh, this client was really crappy to me, (laughs) whatever. I'm just going to give them this. Like, right. It's got to be your best work and what you want represented of your brand every time. And I feel like a standard of excellence can go real high, but it really depends on what you value as a standard. But I'm one that's not going to deliver and say like, oh, I was having issues with this. Oh, well, yeah. You know, like I'm going to figure it out and make sure that a delivery of something to my clients is something that I'm proud of and would be excited to give them for sure. Photographers in LA, just so you know, sometimes take four to six months to give someone their gallery. Mm-hmm. And and the thing that I wish all yeah. photographers would do, when I'm, I mean, I wish everyone would deliver early, but I know that's not always possible. The most common question I get from my clients post-wedding, because we do a 30-day, I do like a 30-day wrap-up call where like we get back on Zoom and we mm. like gossip and talk about all their vendors and, you know, relive <laughs> the day. It. And you know what I mean? Like that's when I get like real feedback. Yeah. Every single time. They say, do you know how much longer it's going to be before we get our gallery? If every photographer would just only listen to this one piece of advice I have for you, send an email the day after the wedding. If you have sneak peeks, great. And then tell them you will receive your gallery by May 25th, 2024. That's it. So that they know. And I know a lot of photographers Mm -hmm. probably don't want to do that because life and who knows, but like they're literally marketing, they're counting the days anyway. And if you're late, they email me to feel like, can you figure out what, where our gallery is? Cause then they start getting panicked. So just communicate, communicate after the wedding, please. Because that is the time where they are most anxious about you photographer, photographers. And they're not anxious about anybody else because everyone else is done. (laughs) Well, you think that you drop a ton of money and you don't hear from Mm -hmm. them forever. Mm -hmm. You think there's something wrong. And I think it's key to like, and I say this with a lot of people who are approaching that deadline and they're like what am I going to do it's going to be late communicate like just say here is my estimated time and when I say that I don't mean post a lineup of all the people that are in front of them in line on your socials 
here is my checklist. Here's what I'm editing now. Talk to them directly. Yeah. Have the courtesy yeah. to say, here is my estimated time for this, this, and this. For sure. Yeah. A couple of years ago, this is pre-pandemic, um, I did this beautiful estate wedding out in Calabasas, beautiful family, gorgeous wedding, like everything was like A plus, A plus, plus work. And at the time we were working with a photographer that I worked with often. After the wedding, she had some pretty serious life stuff happen, like relationship broke up, mm -hmm. moved, uh, illness, and no one knew because she had gone quiet on social media. She wasn't returning emails or calls. And we just didn't literally no. even my clients were like where is our gallery and i was yeah. like i don't even know where she is and i remember my client said said to me and they were lovely like they were super lovely and once we found out what had happened they were very gracious but the bride said yeah. to me it actually doesn't even matter what these photos look like anymore i'm already not gonna like them Aww. and i was like oh yeah. that's a heartbreak the photos were gorgeous and i think she came around right but the experience of it yeah was full of anxiety who knows yeah. if she's even looking at those photos anymore these years later which is a shame because the experience of the day was great but for photographers you guys have the pre-experience the day of experience and then you have a lot of post experience yeah. more so than anybody else you know yeah exactly well and that comes along too and not saying that this photographer wasn't but that's where i say to my clients when they're picking potential clients, yeah. when they're picking a photographer, you're going to remember more about how you felt in those moments than you will what you look yes. like. And so that is why you make sure you find someone that makes you feel good. 100%. And if you don't feel like your photographer is going to make you feel that way, ooh, don't pick them just based on budget. Yeah. Yes, 100%. Yeah. This has mm -hmm. all been just like gold nugget after nugget after nugget. So thank you so much. Where can yes. everyone find you on the internet? Yes. So I am at karahanesphotography.com. I'm also at karahanesphotography on Instagram, kara.hanes on TikTok. I also have my podcast, the Cameras and Coffee podcast on TikTok and Instagram. And then the podcast can also be found on my website as well. Yay. Yeah. And I will also post when my episode of your podcast goes live so we can get everyone over there. As well. yes. Kara, oh, I have some self-care questions for you. If you don't mind staying a couple Oh, yeah. Um, so we're really big on self-care over here. You know, I run a self-care membership for wedding pros called Better with Renee Dallow. So I love talking to other entrepreneurs about like what self-care habits you have in your life. Um, yeah. What's your like, I know you have kids and you have a family and you're running a business. Mm -hmm. What's your like non-negotiable self-care? Ooh, I have a lot. <laughs> Good. We love a lot. <laughs> There's a couple. I have tears. My non-negotiable just having moments for myself, yeah. like get away, get away from home, get away from my desk. Cause I work at home. So taking time to do that, there's times where I do have to realize I'm consuming all of work, but one that I really implemented now because this job is so taxing on my body is booking myself a massage every once oh, in a man. while, like yeah. just treating myself to that. I'm like, I just got a Put that cost in every wedding, right? Yes, 100%. <laughs> you know, but, like we, we we have this thing about like, oh, so, like that kind of thing is so indulgent. It's like, uh, no, I yeah. see you photographers. I see you contorting your body, laying yeah. on the ground, standing on a table. Oh, yeah. No, you need a massage. Yeah, literally. So it's been about a month and a half since I photographed a wedding. And I had two weekends in a row that I just did them because it's it was the winter season. And the next day after I did a 10 hour day, I, I was like, you know what, this is, 
this non-negotiable is I will not leave my pajamas. I will stay home and do nothing today. Like, don't ask me to go anywhere. Like, this is how I rest after a day of busy work. So love it. My second self-care question for you is, are you someone that does a word of the year or a phrase of the year? And if so, what is it? Or what's your focus for the year 2024? I will say I don't do a word of the year. But I am doing mini goals. So I am meeting with a couple of photographer friends where we meet every month and a half. And we just kind of go over a goal, like one particular goal we have for each of our business, whether it be professional, personal. Yeah, just kind of all all around. <laughs> so that's kind of where we're at. I love at. a 90 day goal. It's very actionable. It's very like immediate. Yes. It helps us not forget them, you know, yes. and really keep focused on one right. thing at a time. Well, and it's it's kind of like when you think about a New Year's resolution, mm-hmm. like who actually Nobody does that? Ever- but I will say my other thing that I'm really trying to do, and a friend of mine pushed me to do this, it's called the P52, where I do one photo that stands out to me each week, oh. whether it be on my phone or on my camera, and it's non-work related, oh. which is really hard. <laughs> so wait, do you, do you so, take one photo like that or you share one like on on social? I take, I take one, one. like I can share it if I want, but it doesn't have to be. I love that. So just kind of trying to get creative. It'll be harder once I get into my busy yeah. season. But yeah. All right. I love that. Kara, thank you yes. so much for your time and your wisdom and your good vibes. I appreciate you so much. Of course. <laughs> of course. Uh, and thanks for having me. You're oh, so welcome. And for everyone else, we will see you next week. Same time, same place. Bye for now, friends. Thanks for listening to this week's talk with Renee Dallow. We would love for you to subscribe on Apple Podcast or follow the show on Spotify so you never miss an episode. And remember, this isn't a one-way conversation. I want to hear from you, our amazing listeners. So reach out to me on Instagram at Renee Dallow or on TikTok at the Renee Dallow. Tell me your thoughts on this episode and suggest topics you'd like us to explore in future episodes. You are a crucial part of this community and your voice matters. And as always, I know that your time is the one thing you cannot make any more of. And I'm always so grateful that you spend it with me. Until next time, friends, be good to yourself.